I'm Alex, and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, my, oh, there's a little thing here, I think. Okay, um, my sobriety date is July 17th, 2011. Um, I have a sponsor, and I have the privilege of sponsoring other women. Um, and I have a home group, it's a gratitude study group. It meets at 99 North Salisbury Street in Raleigh on Mondays and Thursdays. Monday, we have open speaker meeting. Thursdays, we have a closed um, book study, and I've seen a lot of you there. Um, would love to see anyone there. I guess on Mondays, you should probably be here on Thursdays, more than likely. Um, but I have a great amount of respect for this group um, and, you know, the people in it. And I think that makes it, like, worse when you're speaking there. Um, and I was saying before the meeting, like, a lot of y'all have heard me talk a bunch, and I'm sorry. And... Um, if you heard me talk on Sunday at Change Agents, like, if you want to get up and leave, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Like, I will not be offended. Um, but, Lisa, thank you for asking me to speak. Um, Lisa's just a lovely, lovely person, and you guys are um, lucky to have her as part of your home group. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I guess I always start out by saying, just in case I don't say anything else, that um, getting sober in Alcoholics Anonymous is hands down the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I was 24 when I got here. I was um, unemployable, broke, suicidal, um, unpleasant to be around, um, you know, relationships just broken and shattered. And um, I just like didn't think there was a way out. I had been looking for a while and um, had given up and um, you know, today my life looks oh, just completely different, um, and it's has very little, if anything, to do with anything I've done. Um, you know, the fellowship, the program, and a power greater than myself have just completely changed my life um, in every single way. And there's not a piece of it that I can't say this is because of sobriety and, and alcoholics anonymous. Um, so thank you guys for that. Um, so I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, well, I was thinking about this today. I've had a lot of therapists ask me over the years. Like my niece asked me this the other day. She knows I'm like in recovery. Like, why did you drink? Like, why did you start drinking? And I think it's the oddest question. And I understand why like a non-alcoholic would ask that question, but it's just like unanswerable. Like my natural state is drinking. Like, that's what feels right to me, um, you know, and I never needed, like, a reason. Nothing caused me to drink. Like, I, that's just, like, who I was. Um, and, you know, I, by Alcoholics Anonymous standards of the stories I've heard in here, like, I hit the jackpot with my family and my upbringing. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of, like, really hard stories in here and that's not the case for me you know every family is dysfunctional but um i was born and raised in raleigh my parents are still together i have two brothers um i had like a stable home good schools safety you know like all of that stuff like i always say we went to summer camp and we got cars on our 16th birthday like you couldn't ask for a lot more um but from as far back as i can remember i was very unimpressed with life in general. Um, I was just like, when I read restless, irritable and discontented, I was like, that's it, you know? Um, but up until that point, like I just didn't know what was wrong with me just from a small age. Um, 
was very just uncomfortable in my skin. I was extremely afraid of other people, of what you thought about me. Um, life was always going to be better in the future. Um, you know, just all those things. And, you know, I, we don't like hold the only claim for social anxiety, but I, I do believe that, um, those isms were always present with me. And when I got here, um, and was trying to get sober, I just didn't understand. Like, I was like, I will never be okay because I wasn't okay before I started drinking. And so why would I be okay now? Um, and I had no idea like that. That's what we like got to do in here. I thought it was like just about not drinking. Um, so when I finally did take a drink, like I needed it. Um, I will say that prior to that, like I had an infatuation with alcohol. Um, I was around a lot of social drinking. Um, there is some alcoholism like sprinkled in my family, but it's not like I'm, I'm the A plus alcoholic, um, for sure. So, but I was around a lot of social drinking and I just thought that that's what everyone did. Um, and I was like very interested in it. And so, um, I had my first drink when I was around 12 years old. Um, my mom sent us like a friend of mine and my younger brother, I think to the beach with my older brother and a friend of his. And, um, they spent all the money that she gave them for food on alcohol. And they were like, go for it. Um, and I don't remember a lot about that except for just thinking like, yeah, like this is cool. And like, this is what I'm going to do now, you know? Um, and I was like very afraid of getting in trouble. So at that point, like we would like raid liquor cabinets, you know, like do things like that, but like nothing crazy. Um, but when I turned about, when I was about 14, was when I like devoted my life to alcohol, if you will, um, before I went into high school and I started hanging out with these girls who are like still my best friends to this day outside of AA. Um, they're like normal people, but we were wild. Um, I look at my niece who's 14 and I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I can't imagine someone who looks that old doing the things that we were doing. Um, but we were just, it was fun, you know, and, um, we just like ran around and like our lives revolved around party. Well, my life revolved around partying on the weekends and any time that I got in between. Um, and at that point in life, I was just like, I'll do the in-between stuff as long as I can drink as much as I can whenever I'm not like going to school or like doing whatever my family's making me do. Um, and I was 100% okay with that. Like that was my hobby. Um, like when I got here and people would be like, well, what do you do for fun? I was like, I, I don't have like a hobby. Um, like I just drank, um, for, a, you know, a long time. Um, and so in high school, like you don't have any response. Well, I didn't have any responsibilities. Like life is pretty easy. I hung out with a lot of people who like to do what I did. And so, um, you know, it was pretty chill for the most part. Um, but I will say that when I would wake up in the morning, um, I was unhappy. Uh, I hated myself and, um, I hated y'all and I was terrified of what you thought about me. Um, I was a blackout drinker from the moment I started drinking and I would like ex tell people like, I don't remember. And they would be like, what do you mean? You don't remember. And it never made sense to me that other people didn't black out. I thought that that was like what you did. Cause I always did. Um, and people would either say like, you seem totally fine. Like I had no idea you were like blackout drunk. Like you seem like you're just having fun or, 
I would be just completely out of pocket, like cheating on my boyfriend, driving the wrong way down the road. You know, like I, you never know what you were going to get, but I wasn't a blackout um, if I was drinking pretty much. So I remember like very little of my drinking history. Um, but I, yeah. And um, the day I turned 16 and I got my license, um, I didn't think twice. I started driving drunk, uh, um, you know, when I, the day I got my license and I did that until I got here. Um, obviously I wouldn't suggest that. I knew that it was wrong. Um, but me being able to drink and do what I wanted and go where I wanted was more important than the lives and safety of others. Um, and that's just like the kind of person that I was at that time. Um, luckily I never like hurt anybody or myself. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. And so, you know, high school is uneventful, whatever. Um, I, I got done with that and, um, I went to college a little bit early cause I just like wanted freedom, you know? Um, and I got a drinking ticket before school started, um, because my boyfriend got a DUI and I, you have to live in the dorms usually like it's required. Um, and so my parents paid for a dorm room that I never lived in. My roommate never saw me. I convinced um, the guy that I was dating to move to the to where I was going to school, even though he wasn't in school, and to rent a house so that I could drink the way that like I wanted. Um, and you know, I think most people when they go to college are like, "Let's go to the tailgate or whatever frat party." And I got there and I just went like head first into alcoholism. Um, the first year I just like stayed in the house and just drank. I would go to school, whatever. But like, I pretty much just locked myself in this like tiny house. We called it a tree house. Like I could reach the refrigerator door from the couch. And I pretty much just like stayed there, um, for the first like year or so. And like, it got dark real quick. Cause by the time I finished high school, I was a daily drinker. Um, and I, knew that my drinking was not, I knew it was abnormal. Like it wasn't like everyone else's, but I didn't have any problem with that. Um, I was very accepting of this because I was just like, this is what I do. Um, and I didn't see it as an issue. It was like very much a solution. Um, and like my hands would shake and people would ask me like, why do your hands shake like that? And I would just be like, oh, I'm hungover. Like I just didn't really think a whole lot of it. Um, but that first year in college, like it got like, it was a little bleak there for a while. Um, and you know, as I went through college, like I, I expanded a little bit, like I had friends, I traveled, I went to shows, like I partied, I did whatever I wanted that I thought was going to be fun. Um, but it was always like my mental health was very precarious. Um, and you know, that was a result of my drinking. And I always thought those two things were like very separate. Um, like, well, if I can like just be okay or when I'm just okay, then I won't drink as much. Like I have to drink because I'm crazy. Like that's what I would tell everybody. Literally, I would tell people that. Um, and I just thought that those two things were separate. And it wasn't until I got here that I realized that like I had a physical, mental and spiritual illness. And for years I was trying to treat like one piece of that puzzle. Um, and like, of course that didn't work, you know? Um, and then I got here and I was like, Oh, it's just alcoholism. Um, you know, but I didn't know that at the time. So, um, you know, 
at some point in college, my friends called my mom, um, not because they were really concerned with my drinking, but more just like my behaviors. And I was just like off the rails, you know, unpredictable. Um, I was doing some other things that are less socially acceptable, um, involved in a decent amount of illegal activity, et cetera. And so, um, they like called my mom and this started a cycle of me and my mom being like very enmeshed and like, we're going to fix you. Um, and that continued until I got here. Um, and she finally like released me <laughs> over. Um, but you know, I, nothing really changed until the end of my halfway through my senior year of college, I realized like, this isn't going to like fly in the adult world. Like I can pull this off now when I like literally have classes two days a week. Um, and so I have like four day weekends and you know, I'm around a bunch of college kids. I went to Appalachian state. It was like kind of a joke. Um, not that it's a bad school. I just mean like, kind of, you know, you kind of do whatever there. Um, and so I was like, this isn't going to fly in like the real world. And I'm going to be like a normal person. So I reached out to my mom for help. Like not in a, I, not in a moment of being sober. Like I immediately regretted it. Um, but saying, you know, like telling her all these details about what's wrong with me and what I was up to. And, um, she got me connected with, uh, a psychiatrist in Raleigh that actually a lot of people in recovery go to, but anyway, um, and that's how I ended up going to my first meeting and it was in Boone and I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, I just remember there was like old people there and they were talking about God and the drug court kids were in the back, like taking a nap. And, um, I, yeah, I just like the steps, I didn't understand what that would have to do with like the chaos that was in my mind. Right. Um, and at that point, like not drinking was not of interest to me at all. Um, I had some other things that I was willing to reconsider. Um, but like drinking was the only thing like holding me together. And so I said, thank you for the information. I'll see you later. Um, I also went to an outpatient at that time. Um, where they had to inform me that if I was still drinking, I was not sober and I was genuinely confused and surprised by this information. Um, so I also departed there, um, before they could kick me out. I did that a lot. Um, just like leaving right before I get kicked out of something. Um, and I graduated college and my ability to sort of like keep it all together and say, well, you can't say anything to me because like I'm doing X, Y, Z looking like a normal person, um, like vanished the day I graduated college. Um, and I moved back to Raleigh and, um, yeah, the next two years were just like a complete torture. Um, I couldn't like go to work. Um, I couldn't pay bills. I couldn't clean my house. Like I just couldn't function as a human being. I spent, um, pretty much like every waking hour, um, beg, borrow, or stealing from people I know, my family, my friends, or strangers, um, just to get another drink. You know, like I would just, I spent most of my day just like trying to get another drink and then also trying to lie and manipulate the people around me into thinking I was okay. Because at this point, everyone's on board with like, Alex needs to get sober. And I had like keepers, you know, who like kept me like, not homeless. And so, um, I tried to convince them I was sober. I was very bad at it. 
I know some people get here and their families didn't know I wasn't one of those people, but I thought I was really good at being sober. I look back looking sober and I was not. Um, and all throughout that time, um, I'm going to like doctors, outpatients, um, group therapy, medications, like I'm doing everything thinking like I'm going to find some magical solution. And I would kind of say like, well, I'm doing these to like keep everybody off my back. But like at this point, drinking's really not working the same way as it was for me when I was 14 years old. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I was getting something out of it. I kept doing it, uh, but it was like really just scratching the surface of the relief that I really needed. Um, and my life was just so unmanageable and I knew that it wasn't going to work, uh, that it wasn't working, you know, but that jumping off place of like, I couldn't imagine life with or without a drink, you know, like drinking was torture, but not drinking for one day was impossible. Like it just was impossible. Um, and all of those like doctors and outpatients and everybody, they would all send me to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and you know, I came to meetings, um, I'd pick up a white chip knowing that I was going to drink after, but like I came here and people were nice to me. Um, and like, I felt the most home here with you guys more than anywhere else. Um, but I definitely did not believe that you had the same thing that I had, which looking back is like so crazy, but I just, I would see, you know, you hear this all the time. I'd see people pick up chips and be like, there's no way. Like if you felt the way that I did, you wouldn't be picking up a 30 day chip or a six month chip. Like it's just not possible. Um, and I think I thought that if I just came here long enough and like sat here that I would magically wake up and like want to be sober and be sober. Um, and that never happened. Um, that's not how it works. Uh, I, yeah, I never like followed any suggestions or like did any of that stuff. Um, but there was a seed planted, right? Like I knew where to come and, um, I got to a point where I always tell this story. Like I went to this new doctor that helps people like us and I paid them my money. Um, and they like did their assessment and talked through all my stuff, whatever. And at the end of it, they were just like, we cannot treat you. You are too much of a liability. I was like 23 years old. You're too much of a liability for us. Um, like we'll give you your money back, but like your only hope is Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, please leave. Um, and that wasn't the only time that like a medical facility was like, not, nope, not treating you. Um, and so like when it talks about like no human power, like that's what I ran up against. Like places were just like, no, thank you. Um, I did go to treatment one time in there. Um, I got arrested and thought like if I leave for a month, like things will cool down. Um, I wanted a break, I guess I would have told you I wanted to get sober, but really I wanted to like eat ice cream and take naps. And that's what I did. Um, I didn't stay sober while I was in there, which is not a good sign. Um, if you can't stay sober in rehab, like not great. Um, but I was so delusional because I, when I left, I was like, that's it. I'm going to stay sober now. Um, even though I wasn't sober the whole time in there. Um, and the big book talks about like, you might drink on the way home from the hospital. And I didn't drink on the way home because the treatment center drove me home. But 
the second they dropped me off at my parents' house and no one was home, I just, I walked in, I grabbed my keys off the counter, didn't sit down, didn't go to the bath, just grabbed my keys and I was like out the door. Still thinking, tomorrow I'm going to go to a meeting and I'm going to pick up a white chip and I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life. Just the delusion. It was always like, I will want to stop tomorrow. Um, and it was so baffling because, um, and I'll try to wrap this part up, but, um, you know, I would come to meetings and I say this to people now and I hear myself say it. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Um, people would be like, just don't drink today. And I, if I could just not drink today, like I wouldn't come here. Like I would just keep doing that. You know, like I just, I needed more information. Like, how do I not do that? Um, I just like, wasn't ready. And you know, everyone around me was like, you're going to die. And I wanted to die. So that wasn't a good, um, like argument. Um, I, I knew that I was going to keep living and I, I'm being serious. Like I, I was actively trying to die. Um, and I knew that I would live for a very long time and that in the, that state. And I just was like, I, there's no way. Um, and so what happened was my mom was having a prayer circle for me at her home. Um, and she was like, can you come? And I was looking for like a reasonable excuse. And someone had called me and said like, Hey, we're going to Durham. There's this like speaker thing all day. Like, do you want to come? And I was like, that sounds better than a prayer circle uh, for me personally. Um, so I went there and I don't know what was different that day. Nothing was different. You know, I just, I went, I wasn't sober that day either, but I went and, um, for whatever reason, uh, the next day, like I didn't drink and I didn't drink for just shy of like 60 days, which had never, ever happened. Um, and I didn't think was possible. And I went to meetings every day and I hung out with people who were sober. Um, but I did not, I had a sponsor, but I didn't work any steps. And there were some spe very specific suggestions that I did not follow. And I lied about, um, I couldn't even like, just be like, no, thanks. Like I just like blade, like bold face lied and was like, yes, I'm not doing that <laughs> while I was, um, so, you know, it was, a, it was such an important experience because it showed me that there was like a potential that I could stop drinking because at that, before that I thought it couldn't happen. Um, but for me, like when I stop drinking and I don't have anything to like really replace it with like a, a actual like spiritual solution, like I get way worse. And, um, so just at that, towards the end of that 60 days, I was just like crawling out of my skin and you know, physically sober, just said, well, I'll just like go get one and I will come back tomorrow and pick up a white chip and everything will be fine. And, um, I went on like a prodigious six day bender. Um, that was only six days because someone called my parents who were out of town, God knows where, and said like, you need to come get her and like do something with her. Cause she's like out running the streets. Um, she's like off the rails for real. So they came to my house, um, and, um, which they owned, you know, and said like, you don't live here anymore. That's not your car. That's not your job. Like you have nothing, but you can go to treatment if you want. 
Um, and you, ha you can go to treatment for three months. And I was like, that is a long time. You know, like, we're all like, I have so many affairs. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, I was like, well, let me think about it. Because um, life was already, like, really hard. So being, like, fully unhoused was like, oh, God, that sounds like it's already bad enough. Um, so I called the lady, and she said, well, it's actually, like, two years. To which I was appalled. Um, and... I, you know, she said, what do you, are you willing to do anything? And I said, I guess, um, which I wasn't, but you know, and I didn't like mean to say that either, but it's just what came out. And, um, you know, I knew like my back was against the wall. Like I was tired, you know? Um, and, uh, I figured it couldn't get any worse and it did. Um, but so I, you know, I went out my last night, whatever. Um, and my parents picked me up the next morning. I went to sleep in the back of the car, I woke up in the middle of nowhere. Um, and my parents like, they barely stopped the car. Like they, you know, kicked, no, I mean, they, they came in briefly, but, um, I was expecting it to be like a treatment center where they like cook for you, you know, like a treatment center. And that's not what it was. Um, and I very quickly changed my mind. Um, but I was like very stuck there and, um, yeah, it was awful in the beginning. Um, like never been more like just depressed, you know, because I would be like, if I had just known this is what's going to happen, I wouldn't have drank again. And everyone was literally like, yeah, you would have like, that's the point. Um, and, but, but what happened was like, all we did there was go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to two meetings a day. We only read, uh, you know, like AA approved literature. Um, I had very little, I had basically no contact with anyone except for my parents twice, once a week for 15 minutes. Um, so I just did AA. Um, and I was surrounded by a group of women who were like living in these same conditions, which at the time I thought were just like, terrible. Um, and they were like happy, you know? And, um, I finally believed that they were just like me. And if they were just like me, there's no way they could have stopped drinking on their own and been happy about it, but they were doing it. And so I finally, you know, started to, in my own way, understand like this, the second step, you know, like they had tapped into some power, which I had been unable to up until that point. And, um, I remember like reading the doctor's opinion, detoxing overnight because I like, couldn't, I wasn't allowed to get out of my bed and reading the doctor's opinion and finally like it's sinking in to, I had been calling myself an alcoholic for years, but I didn't really know what it meant, you know? Um, and finally believing like in and of myself, I will always drink again. Um, and I was surrounded by a group of people who weren't drinking. Um, and it was enough to believe like, you know, I always say, or people say, you know, like God with skin on, like I looked around at those women and I was like, okay, like whatever power you're using, like, I'll, I'll, let me give it a try. Um, because what I've been doing hasn't been working. Um, and I got a sponsor. Um, I was so miserable. I can't put into words how miserable I was. And my sponsor was this like, She's like, so she's kind of, I mean, annoying, like how I can be sometimes at my home group, but she was just like so chipper and she like ran marathons and, um, she was just like, hi. Um, and I was just the worst, but she was so patient with me. And, um, you know, we worked the steps out of the book as they're described. Um, I 
didn't have a good attitude about it and that was okay, you know, cause like I did it to the best of my ability at the time. Um, and like I said earlier, like I, when I got here, I thought this was like about just not drinking. Um, and even though I had like come to meetings and done, been to treatment and all that stuff, like I didn't realize until we finally started going through the book that like, it wasn't about drinking, you know, like we covered that in step one, you know, like, mm-hmm. and when I like did an inventory, I was like, Oh, okay. So like, no wonder I like was pouring liquor down my throat. Like I am completely maladjusted to life and carry around all of these resentments. And I have no idea how to exist in the world as it is without trying to change it at every single moment. And like those things were like, just so crazy to me. Um, and she just patiently took me through the steps. I would call her every single day to complain about something. And, um, she would listen for a little while and then she would say like, go help someone and hang up on me, you know? Um, and she didn't matter what it was, you know, like clean the bathroom at the clubhouse, like fold someone's lawn. Like, I don't care what you do, but like, you have to get out of yourself somehow, some way. And, um, you know, slowly, but surely like the desire to drink left me pretty quickly. Um, the obsession with self that remains, but you know, it, it, it got more manageable, you know? And, um, I think at like four months, so I woke up one day and was like, wow, I haven't thought about like killing myself or drinking. And that was way more than I bargained for when I got here. You know, I didn't think that was possible. Um, and so I just kept going and, um, you know, eventually I did finish that program that I was in, um, and sort of like re-entered, like came back on the grid. Um, and, um, you know, I had to like, kind of like do a secondary, like, I don't think I had actually really fully surrendered to AA at that point because I was just kind of like living, someone was managing my life, you know, when I finally like got out and, um, realized that like drinking is not an option. And, you know, like if I'm miserable, I'm choosing that. And, um, I had a lot of people that were really strong around me in AA who kind of pulled me through it. And, um, I kind of like fully surrendered to being in recovery at like two years. Um, and you know, like started sponsoring more people, took on more service positions, you know, all that stuff. And like magically my life got better. It's like crazy how that happens. Um, and I wanted to go to go back to school. Um, and I did that. I was really scared. Um, but I did what y'all told me to do, which was like, don't get up and like get coffee in the middle of class, you know, like don't be on your phone, sit at the front, ask for help. And you know, I like finished the top of my class, you know, and, um, I wanted to move back to Raleigh. I was very afraid. I had seen a lot of people that I got sober with drink when they moved home, you know, just like not good meetings. Um, cause most of us were like transplanted there and, you know, people would tell me that like God and a are everywhere. And I came back here, um, because, you know, I start, I wanted to start a career here. I wanted to, um, like reunite with my family and a lot of the other people, um, that, you know, I had, you know, had these kind of broken relationships with and be able to like rebuild those with more proximity. Um, and so, you know, that was really beautiful. Um, but like kind of starting back over here in, in Raleigh AA and like a lot of people say, and this was like, you know, nine years ago or something like that. I can't remember now, but, um, a lot of people would be like, when I got here, I thought they did it wrong. When I got here, I was like, Oh, the way that we were doing, it was like, so whack, um, like so loosey goosey. Um, and so like coming to Raleigh, um, like I got to experience like a different 
you know, kind of AA that was really helpful for me. And, you know, um, I've had a couple different sponsors and and worked the steps um, with each of them. And I'm very, like, shy by nature if I don't know people. Um, And so when I first came back, like, I was pretty, like, I would sit in the back and, like, never really say anything to anybody, you know, whatever. Um, And when I went to my home group for the first time, there was just, like, a bunch of women just happened to be there. And, um, you know, they were just so kind to me and so welcoming. Um, And that's been my home group ever since. And, you know, I always mention that because I really believe that, like, a home group's been, like, a huge anchor for me, you know, like, an opportunity to be of service, um, to be accountable, and to have, like, a really strong fellowship. And so if you don't love your home group, like, go get one that you love or make the one that you have one that you love. Like, whatever it's missing, like, fix it, you know, Um, because, you know, I think home groups can be very underrated. And this is a very strong home group, which I love. Like, people are super committed to it. And I just, like, love to see that because I think people are missing out if they're not super involved with their home group. Um, And, you know, over the years, I've had the opportunity to be of service in lots of different capacities, whether it's at the group um, or at the district, um, you know, like one-on-one, like all, you know, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of jobs that I've gotten to fill. And um, that's just been like such a blessing anytime that I can get out of myself for even a minute. Um, it's just amazing. And, you know, people say it all the time, but getting to um, sit across from someone else and watch the light come on in their eyes is like truly an experience you shouldn't miss, you know? Um, my default is to not want to do anything ever. Um, my natural state used to be to be drunk. My natural state now is to be on my couch, eating a Snickers ice cream bar. Um, and I still like have to pull myself out, you know, but like every time I do, I'm so glad that I did. Like it never fails to work, but my mind still tells me like, wow, well, you don't really need to do that, you know? Um, but I keep coming here because like, my life couldn't be any more different. Um, you know, I, like I said, I started a career. Um, I like had nothing when I got here, you know, and, and I've had the opportunity to, um, like I got married while I've been an Alcoholics Anonymous. I had a baby. That's the whole thing. Um, you know, that's a thing. And, um, you know, I talk about like, I know people, like I have a strong, family and a group of people, women in my life that I've been friends with for 25 years or whatever, and they're wonderful. But it's the people in Alcoholics Anonymous who checked on me, not like, can I come hold your baby? But like, how are you? You know, Um, you know, like, how are you? And um, we're just so excited and, um, you know, like held me accountable. And when I, I know a lot of people come here with like jobs and kids and families and like, that's great. But, like, I didn't know how to do anything. And you guys raised me. Like, raised me. You've taught me how to do every single thing along the way. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to have a conversation with my mom that wasn't about me, you know? Um, People had to be like, call and ask her how she is. Um, Like, I have need... You guys have just, like, taught me how to live life. And, um, you know, when I got here, that's not... I wasn't like here for like design for living that really works, you know, but, um, like that's exactly what I've gotten. And, um, you know, I, before I got sober, I really didn't have an opinion on God one way or the other. Like, I was like, I don't know, you know, no, but who knows kind of thing. And, um, 
like I said, when I got here, I just believed that you guys had some kind of power that was working for you and, and that I would give that a try by just like believing that maybe I don't know everything and, and trying to follow your suggestions. And, um, you know, like life is never perfect for anyone. I've been like very lucky. Um, but I think the, the biggest gift of sobriety is just like underneath it all, even if I'm complaining or I'm all like worked up about some problem I have or whatever, like I know deep down that it's going to be okay. Like I have a sense of peace and comfort, even when I'm in fear or whatever, that like, I'm going to be okay, no matter what the outcome, you know, like the outcome might not be what I want. A lot of times it's not, and it's always for the best that way, but like that I'm going to be okay. And that's what I was searching for in a drink, you know, like just to be okay and like right in this moment and present in this moment and um through the process of working the steps and like listening to what you guys say um i've been able to tap into that and to know like no matter what like i'm gonna be okay because like i have this place i have you all i have your experience and i have my past experience to be able to know that like it's gonna i'm gonna be all right it's gonna work out some way and like i don't have to drink and um I can be pretty comfortable, you know? Um, and it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I usually like when I come to, that means I'm kind of like done talking. Um, I guess what I'll say is um, if you're new and you don't want to be here, that's all right. I didn't want to be here for a long time. I thought I like needed, I needed to want to be here. Um, but if you're new and you're like miserable, like that's okay. Um, like just stick around. Um, just try to believe that maybe someone knows something else that you don't. Um, and just try to follow their suggestions because like day by day, just following a few simple suggestions, which by the way, no one's ever told me to do anything in here that's hurt me ever. Um, and if you just follow those simple suggestions, like I promise you, your life can get so good. Um, now if the person who walked in here, like if I, I saw myself back then, this version of me, I would hate this version of me, you know, like I would be like that. She is extremely lame, you know, like I wear yoga pants and, um, you know, like pick up my son from daycare and like my favorite part of the day is like putting him to sleep and like I want to stay home you know like all of those things I thought were like terrible you know um I didn't want any of that I didn't want to just live some like normal life and today I'm just so grateful to just have a normal life that doesn't have a lot of chaos in it and I am okay you know like I was always looking for how I could be the happiest or the most excited or the whatever. And today, like, I just want to just be right in the middle, you know, and it goes to show that I have no idea what's best for me, but if I just do what you guys suggest, what's best for me will come. Um, and it will like blow me away every time. So, um, I'm so grateful, Lisa, that you asked me to speak and for you guys for being here and for listening to me. Um, and that's all. Thanks.